0: Psalm 31, in you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame, in your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress, for your name's sake lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden from me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. You hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will exult and rejoice in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. You have taken heed of my adversities and have not delivered me into the hand of my enemy You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye wastes away from grief. My soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My my strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbor's. An object of dread to my acquaintances, those who see me in the street flee from me. I have passed out of my mind like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many terror all around as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in Your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let Your face shine upon Your servants. Save me in Your steadfast love. Do not let me be put to shame, O Lord, for I call on You. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go dumbfounded to Sheol. Let the lying lips be still that speak insolently against the righteous with pride and contempt. O oh, how abundant is Your goodness, that you have laid up for those who fear you, and accomplished for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of everyone. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from human plots. You hold them safe under your shelter from contentious tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was beset as a city under siege. I had said in my alarm, I am driven far from the, your sight but you heard my supplications when I cried out to you for help. Love the Lord, all you saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts haughtily. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalmist said in his alarm, I am driven from the sight of God. Is this the same psalmist who asked, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me And your right hand shall hold me fast. Even when we know what kind of God we have. The kind that we can't outrun or escape or sin against to the point where he would give up on us. Even when we know what kind of God we have. We still sometimes fear that we've been driven out of his sight surely if god can see me we reason he knows what i'm going through and if he knows what i'm going through then he'll do something about it and then we wonder what is he doing about it and yet sometimes we know he's holding me in his right hand we don't appreciate hands We treat them as though they're little more than tools, but they are so much more. They are symbols. A handshake can start a friendship or seal a deal. A hand can help release tension or cause it. Hands can alter the course of history, declaring independence and proclaiming emancipation with a stroke of a pen. In the Bible, among other things, a hand represents God's power. God has the power to do with us as God will. We submit ourselves into God's hand. Into your hand I commit my spirit. The psalmist claims and later Jesus cries. From where Jesus hung as he cried that, there were no other hands into which to commit his spirit. Spirit. I took the time this past week to read in Mark's Gospel from Palm Sunday through the burial in the tomb. The daily scripture readings this week will ask you to do the same day by day this week, this holy week, a week unlike any other in the Christian year. We're going to ask you to take the time to give the time to go through Jesus week with him. So you'll be asked, for instance, on Tuesday to read of Jesus' teachings. These teachings may not be new to you, but perhaps you've forgotten their context. Perhaps you've forgotten that these teachings that are familiar came two days after Jesus' triumphal entry and two days before his friends betrayed him, three days before his death. You might hear them differently if you hear in that context. When Jesus scolds the Sadducees for neither knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God, it matters that He said that when He knew what saying that would bring. When Jesus is asked, which commandment is the first of all? And He said, they all came down to two. Love God, love neighbor. It matters that this is his final commentary on all of the Hebrew Scriptures, all of the Hebrew law, and those are the two he chose. Read these passages this week with their context in mind. Build the week as it built for Jesus. Imagine the crowd celebrating Jesus as he rode the donkey into town Those who were hoping he would restore David's kingdom, then imagine Jesus knowing that his way of doing so was nothing like what they anticipated. His victory would require death, there would be more loss, ongoing captivity. He would attack violence with humility and forgiveness those singing the Palm Sunday Hosannas expected a far different kind of Savior than the one we got. On Wednesday, I want you to consider what it must have been like to sense your friend, one of the twelve closest persons to you in this world, one you've chosen, a person you taught and loved, and ministered alongside. Consider what it must have been like to know that this friend went out and approached the chief priests in order to find a way to end your ministry and consequently your life. Remember, as Jesus must have, Psalm 31, 13, for I hear the whispering of many, terror all around, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Then consider Jesus celebrating the Passover. A high, holy moment. An Easter-like moment with those same dear friends knowing His betrayer was at the table with Him. There, breaking bread with Him. Honoring together their closely held faith. Remembering together the people suffering And liberation, doing the very things that would make them closer to God and closer to one another. And yet, when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. That night, as they spoke of the freedom that God brought to them through the Exodus, Jesus gave a new meaning to their meal. This is my body. This is my blood. He knew what the next day would bring. He knew what that night would bring. We, thanks to Mel Gibson, have given some thought to the horrendous physical torture of the crucifixion. But if we paid attention to the abandonment that Jesus must have felt, it wasn't just Judas. Jesus predicted correctly that all of his dear friends would desert him. And though they denied that it happened, just as he predicted, it did. Which must have brought to Jesus' mind Psalm 31.11, I am the scorn of my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. As he remembered that verse, he must have thought, If only, if only it were just my adversaries, neighbors, acquaintances, and strangers. But no, it's also my dear friends who flee from me. Peter, the most vehement in his denial that he would not leave Jesus, just as Jesus predicted three times before the cock crowed twice, did just that. Since Jesus was not far from Peter when the cock crowed, perhaps Jesus heard the cock crow too. And if he did, he knew it signified more than just the dawning of a new day. The day, what we call Good Friday, began with Jesus on trial. The religious authorities interrogated him and abused him. Then the Roman authorities interrogated and abused and mocked him. Read on Friday with Jesus in your mind's eye, this Jesus you have come to know, this Jesus you have come to love, the one who came to heal and to save and to reach into lives that lead us into new life. With Jesus in your mind's eye, read how they clothed him in a purple cloak. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And they began shouting, saluting him, Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, they spat on him, and they knelt down in homage to him. And then while he was on the cross, They mocked our Jesus, saying, He saved others. He cannot save Himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe even those who were crucified with Him taunted Him. Read these unbearable scenes. Scenes that would be unbearable if they were acted upon Barabbas one who took life. Instead, they happened to our Jesus. Who gave life. And then with all of the disciples gone, save the women who watched from a safe distance. Jesus, suffocating on the cross, somehow sputtered out, Father, into Your hand. I commit my spirit. Betrayed and abandoned, mocked and beaten, dying and alone, Jesus remembered the words of His faith and the only hands that were sure enough, trustworthy enough, powerful enough to hold His future and to Him He cried out, Father, into Your hands, I commit my spirit. We wonder at times if we've been driven out of God's sight. And then we read this story of a man who must have felt as alone in the world as anyone ever has. And yet he had enough trust to cry out into your hands. Commit my spirit. This week, may we not only learn of Jesus' love, may we also learn from his faith.